Hi and welcome. My name's Phil Strong and I'm uh, delighted to be with you today. Uh, wherever you are in the world, I welcome you. Uh, whenever this is in time, I welcome you. God is outside time and I'm confident that as you journey through these messages in this new series, you're going to find God. I'm confident of that. Why? Because that's my testimony and that's the testimony of many others. Welcome to the new series. This is the first message in a series we've titled Embracing Holiness. This is a very important series uh, in this season and time we're in. We timestamp this at the end of 2021, where there's a pandemic across the, the globe. Uh, in this nation of New Zealand, we're in there's lockdowns, there's um, sickness, there's all sorts of things going on. And I've got to be honest with you, uh, all that's happening that I see is a greater divide. A greater divide between those who are pursuing God and pursuing truth uh, and those that are not. And that is why this call to embrace holiness, this call to pursue God, to know God, to be found in God, wrapped up in his holiness, is so vital right now. We've got to get close to him because if we're not close to him, then we're risking the drift of way. So there's a call. God says to us in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 2, he says, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. There's a calling into that place where God is. Previously, in Leviticus chapter 11, he says this down in verse 44. For I am the Lord your God, and you are to sanctify yourselves, or consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy and in verse 45 he says for I am the Lord your God I am the Lord your God I am your God he says who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God I rescued out of brokenness I rescued you out of slavery I rescued you out of the bondage of your life that was before me and I brought you into relationship with me. Therefore, says God, be holy, for I am holy. And you are to be holy, says God, for I am holy. God is holy. God is calling us into this place where we would embrace holiness. And this series is all about the journey we have into that place of God's holiness. Over the next few messages, we've got a range of things we're going to talk about. Next week, we're going to talk about consecration again. Yes, we've talked about it. But you see here in Leviticus chapter 11 that God says we must sanctify ourselves. We must consecrate ourselves. It's the, the journey or the process toward embracing the fullness of that holiness that God makes available for us in Jesus Christ. Next week, we're going to look at that. We're going to have a look at Isaiah chapter 6 and the uh, interesting passage of time where Isaiah comes out um, as a prophet. But oh, even this morning in my quiet time, I was just um, mesmerized by the revelation that God's got for us in his scriptures as he exposes those things that are pertinent to us in this time, in this moment from the writings so long ago. And I'm really excited as I prepare for that message, which is coming up in uh, three or four weeks' time. 
We've also got uh, a couple of guests that are going to pop in and out of the series. Uh, in a few weeks' time, we've got a panel uh, that, God willing, we'll be presenting together. Uh, we're not sure what context that looks like because, again, uh, we are currently in lockdown. I have to admit to you that this has been a, a challenging series to prepare for. Um, you know, just in the same way we would say, well, you know, when you ask God, when you pray, God, Lord, teach me patience. He uh, tends to bring around you people that are testing your patience, that are revealing things in you that God wants to work on. Well, when you pray, God, I want to have faith that would move mountains, the Lord presents obstacles to you that are the size of a mountain, that reveal the smallness of your faith, that can expose really and reveal to you the bigness of God in your circumstances. Well, friends, it's no different. When you set about in obedience to prepare a series on holiness, the Lord has been calling us into holiness. He's been leading us through the word into this place of encounter here and now. But I have to admit to you, uh, it hasn't been easy to prepare for. And first and foremost, I've, I've got to admit to you by confession that I actually feel like a fake in coming to speak about holiness, knowing that I'm anything but holy. I am flesh, I am broken, I am dirty except for Jesus Christ. I am weak, I'm frail, um, I have a propensity towards my weaknesses and and, and I am revealed in the word as the word is held up like a mirror before me. In the purity of God, I see that I am not pure. And so I bring these messages to you in humility. Uh, I am not trying to say to you that I am holy, therefore be like me. I'm pointing us to him, the author and I'm saying, look, God says he is holy. He can be nothing but holy. He is perfect above all. His nature is holy. His actions are holy. His attitude towards us is holy. He is holy. Let us together come before him, lift what we have, and let's embrace his holiness. So let's do this journey together. I am on the journey as much as you, and, and I'm nervously excited about what God's going to do because as we hold our lives up before him he reveals things um, I'm letting you know that for me this is a season where there's going to be some tough conversations happening as I confront those things in my life that would diminish any holiness that I would pursue in God uh, this is a time where the Lord exposes things of the heart not because he wants to condemn us, but because he wants to reveal them in his love that he might bring healing to the broken parts of our lives. And, and so I say all of this almost as a warning to us all that to go on this journey, there is going to be a, a price. Um, holiness does not come without cost, and that cost, or the price that you and I must each pay is self-sacrifice. And I, I will point to that today. On the other side of the journey, I could only encourage you by saying that the benefits of holiness far outweigh any cost that we would pay. When we were broken and lost and disappointed and uh, depressed and, and when we were uh, locked in our sin with hopelessness, 
Um, God came and found us and rescued us. And none of us who have lived a life apart from our sin would ever want to fall back into that. Well, in the same way, I can promise you God is elevating us. God is lifting us into new realms of his presence and his glory and his goodness for our community. And for him to elevate us into that place, we must leave behind some of the baggage, the dirt, the weakness, the character flaws that have limited us thus far. God has tolerated them. He's allowed them. He's been aware of them and he's not ashamed of you or ashamed of your weakness. But God says, son, daughter, come up higher. Be holy, for I am holy. And when we allow God to heal us and lift us to new heights, our experience in him is going to be outstanding. For his glory, for his name's sake, we must pursue and embrace his holiness. There's a reason why I'm really pressing in on this journey, um, and, and it's quite simply this. I'm not willing to compromise, and I'm not willing to forego those things that God has promised us. I'm absolutely convinced that revival is coming, a manifest outpouring of God's presence and love and goodness in our community that is going to cause people to turn in awe and wonder with the fear of the Lord and to cast their gaze on him and cry out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Revival is coming. I'm not willing to forego that. I'm not willing to compromise that. I'm not willing for me or my heart or my weakness to be the blockage. And therefore, we must embrace holiness. For this is the key, the access way into what God has for us. Just this week on the Elijah List, a prophetic a website where different prophets around the globe um, share messages. I was uh, made aware of, I saw online, uh, this message by Lana Vorsa. She is an author and a prophet out of Adelaide, and she is certainly someone that uh, we would tune our ear to. In fact, there's a group of us, prophetic group of us in the church currently studying and working through uh, one of her books about a prophetic word that's uh, relevant for now. But the Lord had said this recently through a prophetic word that Lana shared. I want to read it to you. You can find this on theelijahlist.com. The Lord showed me, this is Lana writing, the Lord showed me there is a deeper understanding taking place within the body of Christ. We are awakening ourselves to the reality of home in Him, meaning Christ. I sensed a deep burning revelation of communion and oneness with Him. The John 15, place of abiding in the vine, of finding deeper rest, peace, security, life, and strength in Him. The body's awakening to an even deeper understanding of Jesus as the root and source of our lives. We are coming into a deeper baptism of the fire of His love. And she references there Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 19, for those of you that want to look after it. And here's the entry price. The next paragraph says this. An invitation is being extended to ferociously focus on him and all things pertaining to life and godliness which are found in him. All other loves before him, idols, are being cast aside as there is a deep returning home to the place of our first love. Distractions 
and things which people have looked to for their value and support and purpose apart from God are being shaken. We are being invited to awaken our eternal purpose and identity in Him. In this deep place of safety, we will be delivered from fear and will remain at peace in the storm. God is inviting us up into this place of holiness. And my encouragement for you is that you would come on this journey through the series and together that we would embrace holiness. Come on, let's embrace his holiness together. This is not a new concept for me. Uh, and I can say that by way of testimony. Um, I speak to you of the benefits of coming up higher, being invited into a new place, of experiencing the realm of the blessing of a relationship with God. There is more of God for each one of us to discover. We will spend eternity seeing the revelation of who God is and be in awe and wonder and cry out, Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. We will do that for eternity together. I had a season of my life where I have been on a journey similar to this. Uh, 2009, we were living overseas and I wasn't working, so uh, I had a lot of time on my hands, kind of, uh, it was a form of lockdown, it was a different form of lockdown, but I was in isolation. And there was a period of uh, several months where each night the Lord would come to me and he would knock on the door of my heart and he would invite me to come to a place of communion with him and and uh, to begin with I was excited I was like wow you know and, the, and then the Lord would show me a piece of my heart he would say son it's time for you to give that over to me you've carried it long enough as a burden now I want to take it away and bring healing and to begin with I was like yeah man come on let's do this and so I would get up and I'd get on my knees in the lounge room and I would just pour out my heart before God and he would bring healing and flood me with his love and and uh, it was like amazing night after night I remember after a while uh, the Lord would knock on the door of my heart and he'd say son there's a piece of your heart or a piece of your thinking or a piece of your uh, perspective in life that I like to bring healing to and I remember once literally saying seriously God when will this end like why each night are you coming and asking me to surrender again a piece of who I am and the Lord said very very clearly to me the, the voice was soft it was firm and and and, and yet gentle it was uh, authoritative and yet loving and inviting and he said son I am holy for you to come closer to me you must become holy and I was just undone I was like, yeah, I want that. I want that. And I got up and I went out in the lounge room. I got on my knees. And I just poured, poured open my heart before God and allowed him to flood me with his love and his healing. The other side of that season uh, saw great things happen in my relationship with God and my relationship with others. And, and the Lord really escalated me. He pivoted, repurposed me and sent me on a pathway to Bible college. And uh, here I am. Uh, that was 2009, and um, it was a season of my life I'll never forget. There was deep, deep, deep work that God was doing in my heart, and it wasn't all comfortable, but it was all good. There's a, there's a reason we need to go on this journey together, and, 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 and that is because I have a belief that the revival that is coming is going to be the culmination 
and the accumulation or the sum of many, many, many individual personal revivals. For us to experience a corporate revival, we must first have a personal revival. That's about you. That's about your heart. It's about my heart. I'm reading a book at the moment by A.W. Tozer. He's a, a man who, uh, whose writings have affected me deeply over the years and just the way that he exposes God in his writing and reveals and invites the reader in to appreciate who God is. And uh, he says this one phrase here. I'll make sure it's clear for you to see. Social religion is perfect when private religion is purified. Social religion is perfect when private religion is purified. What does that mean? It means our corporate experience of the manifest presence of God, that's social religion, the corporate experience of the manifest presence of God is made perfect when each one has their heart purified by God and his holiness. What does that mean for us? The coming revival, the experience that we have, will be an accumulation, the sum of individual revivals that are going to be occurring. And I would pray that you choose to respond to his invitation, the invitation of God to go on this journey, to embrace holiness, that you would have a radical, deep, personal encounter with God in your lounge room, in your bedroom, in your car, in your workplace, that you would be completely undone and overwhelmed by the love of God, your Father and Saviour, Jesus. As the Holy Spirit ministers to you, may you be completely healed in order that you would embrace His holiness. A personal revival in you is going to be a blessing for someone else. A.W. Tozer continues and says, The body becomes stronger as its members become healthier. The whole church of God gains when the members that compose it begin to seek a better and higher life in God. Let's pray. Almighty God, I submit this to you, this entire series that we would experience you, your healing power, your overwhelming love, that we would come to a place where we can embrace your holiness and in that we would know the life that you have prepared for us. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Come, Lord Jesus, and change our world. One of the things that is critical for us to grasp and to lay hold of uh, in this journey of embracing holiness, we must understand that this is not a product of our works. What do I mean by that? Well, um, Paul writes to the church in Galatia. Uh, so the book of Galatians is the letter to the church. And as I was reading it this morning, um, uh, just to remind myself of this simple principle, Paul says to the church, don't be foolish. You who were once saved by grace, by the power of his spirit and the confession of your faith in Jesus, why would you go back to the law and think that you could earn his love? We must not fall into the temptation of making a list and thinking we've got to do everything to do the hard work to embrace his holiness. There is a very, very simple message in this first part today, and that is this. Your holiness is found in Christ. It's really important that we come back to the message that our lives are embraced, enveloped, clothed in Jesus Christ. 
In fact, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, I think it is, Paul says, look, you are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. When we um, did our series Connection, the very first message I shared, I want you to go back and find it because the passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 4 we began with, it began with in Christ. The first message is that our life is in Christ. I want you to perhaps go back and listen to that message again that you would understand the simplicity of the journey is that we are in Christ. Because I want to um, today just contrast effort under the bondage of law versus the grace and liberty we have when we simply say Jesus is our Lord. When you think back to the Old Testament times and particularly Leviticus where the um, key verse for our series comes from, where God is instructing his people the terms of their partnership. He says, look, you were broken, you were in bondage, you were in slavery, and I came and rescued you out of Egypt. Now, here is the promise we're going toward, but on the journey toward that promise, here are the terms of the partnership for us to work together and live together. These are called the law, the statutes, the ordinances, or the commands of God. And uh, like if you've ever read Leviticus, you know that it's about, well, you can do this and you should do this, but you shouldn't do that and bring this animal here and do this with it. But don't touch that and wash the entrails. And this, it's like you've got you've to understand that God had set these, these ordinances, these commandments up in order that, that people would learn to live in partnership with him. That the, the, the rules were there to keep them safe from themselves so they could stay connected to God. That was the reason for the Old Testament law. But I want to be very clear and make this key point for you. The Word of God is instruction, not suggestion. The Word of God is instruction, not suggestion. So hey, if you're on the outside and you hear the invitation, you respond and come into the family of God, well, on that point, you're a disciple of Jesus, which means the Word of God is instruction, not suggestion. So we've got to take the instruction of God seriously. He says, as a command to us to sanctify ourselves, consecrate ourselves, and be holy, just as he is holy. So we must take this seriously. And how in the Old Testament, how they did this was uh, the Lord gave Moses instruction and blueprints, a, a revelation on how to build the temple of God. That would be the place of worship. And this place of worship was the place where they would come and be connected with God through activity, and in fact, related that this is a blueprint or it's a, it's a shadow, it's a, it's a reflection of the holy temple in heaven, which I have not yet seen and, and I can't wait to see revealed. But the temple on earth was uh, constructed like a big uh, area uh, with a tent. You can read all about the measurements are, are, are absolutely clear in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers as you read through the instructions of God. But if you, just imagine you were an Israelite, just imagine you were living in the hill country and seven times a year you were instructed by God to come to worship and you'd bring your family and you'd bring the price of the sacrifice that was commanded by God. Animals, grain, wine, olive oil, whatever was required. You would bring it. You would bring it because it was an instruction, not a suggestion. And you come to the place of the temple in Jerusalem so, so we've got the tent of Moses, we've got the temple of Solomon. 
So wherever you were, whether we're, let's, let's just stick to the time of Moses. So you're in one of the tribes and you're out on the edge there, you're the tribe of Asher and you come and you bring your family and the, uh, the tent is set up. Let's stick to the tent. And, th and so there's an outer area outside the big walls that are set up and the walls were made of white fine linen representing the purity and the holiness of God. It would remind you when you saw it that he is holy and we are not. Not until we follow his, his instructions. And you come outside and there's an invitation to come in. And there's a gate and you can come in. And the gate is really called the way. The way in. Interesting. Think about that. We'll talk about it in a second. So you'd come in and you'd bring the price of entry and the very first thing you'd see would be called the brazen altar. It was a big fire and it was coated in bronze and it was messy. It was messy, messy, messy. And the priest is there and he would, you would bring your animal for your family. Let's just say you're bringing oxen today. And uh, look, there's heaps of sacrifices in there. I don't want to get into all of them, but it's fascinating if you want to go and read the different types of sacrifices you can bring to God. But let's just say you bring an oxen. And the priest would lay his hand on the head of the oxen to transfer and, and signifying the replacement that this oxen was receiving your sin. Your family was being placed on the head of this animal and then the animal was slaughtered. Blood was killed and it was chopped up. And the blood was sprinkled around and put on the horns of the altar and the animal was burned as a sacrifice to God. Brazen altar. And then the next stage you would see in the, in the outer court, in this outer part here, was called the brazen laver. It was a bath where there was cleansing that was done. And then the tent. And there's a doorway into the tent, and the, and the tent had two rooms, and the first room was called the holy place. But only the priest could go in there, and only when the priest was clean could he go in there, and the priest would, would go into the holy place. And if you look around, you look on the, on the right-hand side there, you'd see a table. It's called the table of showbread, and there was a meal prepared, a symbolic meal of, of unleavened bread and some wine and some, some um, frankincense, some spices. And this was a meal that the priests would share together, representing the, the, uh, the 12 tribes of, of Israel, or the 12 uh, uh, thrones that would be in heaven, or, or the, um, the, the, the peop all people becoming one people under Abraham, um, you know, the Gentiles included, uh, represented there, and they would have a meal together. And they would pour out the wine as a sacrifice, and, and, the, and the spices were part of the meal. Uh, and this is very symbolic. And you look on the uh, other side, on the left-hand side there, and there's a, as a table with a lampstand. It's called the menorah, and it's, a, it's gold, and it's, got, uh, it's like branches of a tree, and there's seven branches. And it's, it's constantly burning with olive oil. And one of the jobs of the priest was to make sure the olive oil was always there for the flames to never be extinguished. And it cast light. It was the only source of light cast light in the holy place. In front of you, uh, there was another table, and on the table was incense, and the incense was burning, and the, the priest would tend to that, so that it was always an aroma. And the room was filled with the smoke, which was the aroma, incense going up before God, as he instructed. And, and, and then there was another door, and that door went into the most holy place. And, and, and so uh, only once a year... Would a high priest who was chosen be able to go into the most holy place? And they'd tie a, uh, well, I've read somewhere, they tied a rope around his ankle in case he, he got struck dead by God in the presence of God. 
and they could drag him out. But he would go in there and he'd bring blood and he would, once a year on the Day of Atonement, he would offer a blood sacrifice uh, before God for the people of God, for himself and for the people of God. Very, very, very special day of celebration in the history of God's people. But in the holy place was uh, what's called uh, the mercy seat of God and the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark was symbolic for the presence of God himself amongst the people. And inside the Ark were special emblems, you know, Aaron's staff that budded when it was dead. And uh, the manna that they, they fed, that God fed them with. And the Torah, the law was, uh, was, was very special. There were massive cherubim. Uh, big angelic beings, heavenly beings over top of that. And in the middle was the Shekinah fire, the glory of God. It was the holy, most holy place, holy holies. But only one guy, priest, got to go in there once a year. And, and, and all of this and all of the ordinances and all of the laws and all of the statutes and commands that God gave his people, they followed them as instructions because they needed to do that in order to be accepted and received by God. Well, we know that Jesus Christ changed all of that for us forever. So let's have a look at that. Let's have a look at Hebrews chapter 10. Let's just look at the, the beginning of Hebrews 10. Eh? So grab your Bibles, have a look. Hebrews chapter 10. It says this. I'm going to read today from the New International Version. The law... Is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those drawn into worship. Otherwise, they would not have stopped being offered. For the worshippers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer feel guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of their sins. So the pattern that God set up was to keep reminding people, look, it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away your sins. Therefore, when Christ came into this world, he said to the Lord, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then Jesus says, Here I am. It is a written about me in the scroll. I have come, Lord, to do your will. And when he says, so Hebrews 10 verse 8, when he says sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, were not pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance to the law of God. He said, here I am to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish second, the second, the new covenant. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Jesus Christ was the perfect Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. So instead of each family bringing an animal, laying the priest laying the head on it and the sins of that family being placed on the animal that was sacrificed, Jesus says, I will be that Lamb once, forever, for eternity. I will take the sin of the world on me and by my blood they will be set apart and they will be cleansed forever because I am the perfect Lamb of God. This is beautiful. So when we recognize that Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth and died for our sins and we confess in faith that God raised him from the dead, then we shall be saved. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 10. But he also writes a letter to the church in 2 Corinthians. So let's just turn across to 2 Corinthians and let's just look at the end of chapter 5. 
So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's jump into verse 13. It starts off a little bit crazy, but that's why I started here. Paul says, look, we're, <laughs> we're out of, if we're out of our mind, we're crazy, as some say, then we're crazy for God. But if we're in our right mind, we're in our right mind for you. Well, he's setting us up there. He's like, look, some people are saying we're crazy. Believe them if you want. But if we're on the right track, it's for your sake. So take heed to my words. Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one, him, died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him, we live for him who died and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though once we regarded Christ as, as just a man, we do so no longer. Therefore, Paul writes, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he gave us this ministry of reconciliation. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them no longer. He has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We therefore are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, the messengers. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, God who made him who had no sin, to be sin for you, so that in Christ you might become the righteousness of God. No longer would we bring an animal, a bird, an oxen, a sheep. No longer would we bring grain before the priest and, and trust that the purity of the priest would make us acceptable before God. You see, in Jesus Christ, we have been clothed in his righteousness, which means we have right standing before God. We're not perfect. We've got weakness. We've got sin. We make mistakes. But when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And therefore, we can be accepted before God. That's our righteousness in Christ. Let's transfer that back to the temple. Just by comparison, to contrast the old with the new, I want to make sure you get the message of your salvation, which is in Jesus Christ. You can stand outside the tent. You can stand outside the reality of living with God and, and look and wonder what's happening. And look, you can see activity and ah, it's interesting, but you're outside. You're invited to come in, but not everyone who hears the invitation will respond to the invitation. But you can come in through the gate, which is called the way. Jesus Christ himself says, I am the way to the Father. So you come in through Jesus. You acknowledge that, well, Jesus must be the Son of God. So I come in through that awareness. My mind is awakened to the awareness that Jesus is the Son of God. And I come in through the way, and the very first thing I see is the altar of sacrifice. What must I do? To move beyond this is I must lay my life down on the sacrifice on the altar. Jesus Christ said, if any man be received unto the Father, he must first be born again. To be born again means that you must have died. 
And that means you must put your life down and say, I am no longer in control of my life. I'm not the, the boss. I'm not the Lord of my life. But I surrender lordship to Jesus. He's my savior. And you embrace his death in your death. You enter into the grave, as it were, figuratively speaking, with Jesus. And you say, man, it's not me who lives, but Christ in me who lives. Beyond that, you then see the brazen laver, the bath, and you enter the waters of baptism. Rising again, you're, you're signifying the washing of your body and your spirit through the word of God. And your clothing becomes clean. And then you can enter into the presence of God. So you go into the holy place. And the table of the showbread on the right hand side is the meal and communion we share together as the family of God. The body of Christ, the blood of Christ, the presence of, of the prayers of the priests and the saints and the ancestors and, and our family. And we, we, we see the menorah, the, the lampstand. Uh, some people say that the seven branches represent the seven churches, uh, as, as, as we read in the Revelation of John. And, but it, it, to me, it signifies the unity of the body. And the, and the oil, the olive oil, is always representative of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God in the people. And so we must tend to that every day, the Holy Spirit being a light in our lives, in our church, and in our community, because... That light is the light that lights up the room. You. You're. You're not the source of the light, but you're the one that conveys the light. And then, of course, we have the, the table of incense, which is the, uh, the prayers of the saints that go up before God continuously, as we read about in Revelation. So the prayers, you've got to have a daily prayer life. You've got to come into that place where you, you're, you're in communion, communication with God through your prayers it doesn't have to be uh, thou art holy O Lord for thine you know no 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 just confess your heart before God chat to him like a friend like a father honor him and worship him daily as a discipline it's how you keep yourself pure and we'll talk about that in a later message and then of course you go beyond that into the holy place we know in scripture that when Jesus Christ gave up his life on the cross he said it's finished and the earth shook and it became dark and at that moment the the temple curtain that was closing off the holy place tore in two from top to bottom making way it says in Hebrews for us to enter that holy place that we would have intimacy with God ourselves no longer dependent on a priest no longer dependent on our pastor no longer dependent on someone else doing it for us we have been invited into the very presence of God to have an intimate relationship with God face to face. We will have his provision as we see represented in the Ark of the Covenant. We will have signs and wonders and miracles and where we have his law written on our hearts. And we will see him face to face the Shekinah glory of God personally. All of this made available through Jesus Christ who brings us before God by his righteousness what then about our holiness? What does it mean for us to embrace holiness? As I come to land this message, uh, I want to bring you an analogy. Uh, because I'm, I'm really wrestling with this idea that I don't want us to fall into the trap of thinking we can earn our holiness. Righteousness has already been earned and paid for. Jesus Christ died once for all. When we confess faith in Jesus, we are clothed in his righteousness. Therefore, we are accepted by God. But holiness is different. In the way that I studied in scripture, holiness 
There's a lifelong quest to be like God, to be set apart for God. We've got to continually bring our lives before him, and we'll speak about that next week. But an analogy to try and help us to understand that. We can stand before God knowing that he loves us and he has accepted us. Therefore, judgment will not come upon us for our sin. And that is because of Jesus Christ. But imagine this. You're standing there and your clothes are dirty. You know, like remember when you're at school and uh, you'd play rough and tumble at lunch or you'd play a game of rugby or soccer or you'd climb a tree or whatever, you know, and you'd come home from school and your clothes are dirty. And you stand before mum or dad and they'd love you unconditionally, no judgment. And they'd say, hey, your clothes are dirty. Did you have a good day today? Yeah, 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 I had fun. Great. Or let's get you cleaned up. That's what a good parent says. Let's get you cleaned up. And sometimes it requires changing of the clothes, the garments, the outer garments. Sometimes it requires washing your dirty knees or maybe you've got food on your face. Maybe you've got dirt under your fingernails. Hopefully no one's blood <laughs> from the playground. But a good parent says, hey, let's clean you up. That's what it means to embrace holiness. Come before God, knowing that life gets you dirty, that your childlike quest for fun, your inquisitive nature, and just the world you live in. You might say, it wasn't me. My friends made me do it. Well, when you hang out with friends like that, of course they're going to make you get dirty. And the Father looks at you with love, no judgment, and an invitation. Come on, let's get you cleaned up. This is what it means to embrace holiness. This is what it means to work with what God has done for us and will do for us to embrace holiness. And friends, that holiness can only be found in Jesus. If you've found this message and you've got this far, wow, congratulations. Maybe someone's showing this to you because they want you to understand that unless you are in Christ, unless you're confessing Jesus as the Son of God, you cannot have any chance of turning your life around and becoming someone who can embrace holiness because without Jesus, holiness is impossible. So I urge you to consider speaking with your friend that showed this to you or reaching out to a Christian church and, and, help, and getting help to, 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 to come to that place of full surrender where you lay your life on the altar and you say, Jesus, be my Lord. You are my Savior. Now I want you to be my Lord. I give my life to Jesus Christ. It's time for us to embrace holiness. It's time for us to allow the Father to help us get cleaned up. That we would come higher to the place that he has for us. The Lord has said, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow you will see the Lord do wonders amongst you. That's Joshua chapter 3 verse 5. Let's embrace holiness. Let's pray. Almighty God, I just commit these words to your spirit that you would work through the words of my efforts. The scripture that's been spoken out loud is the living word of God. And even this technology, God, that you'd work in order that people would find the truth in you. Help us. We are frail. We are weak. We have tendencies to get ourselves dirty during the week. 
But Lord, may we come back to you, our loving Father, to allow you to do the work in our hearts and our minds and in our lives, our families, in order that we would embrace holiness. We thank you for Jesus Christ, who makes it all possible by his obedience and coming and giving his life as a sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God, who made the perfect sacrifice to take away the sins of the world. Only by him can we be made holy. So we choose to embrace Christ in order to embrace his holiness. Help us, God, to live a life that brings glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if anything I've shared today uh, sparks something in you, you want to chat about it, reach out, flick us a message uh, on the social uh, email. You can catch us at our website, zionpeople.nz, uh, and message us there. Uh, we'd love to journey with you um, in any way that we can. And, and watch out for, for the messages that are coming. There's some real good stuff because God's got something for us as we embrace his holiness. We're going to go higher and higher and higher in him. God bless you all, and I look forward to being with you again real soon. God bless.